Hello everybody and welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. Ron Lacuman out, David Unsworth in, but for how long? We're here to discuss that and much more. I'm Phil Kirkbride, the Everton reporter, joined by Ian Doyle and Chris Beasley. Doyley, straight to you, because mm. you were at Chelsea last night at Stamford Bridge to watch the audition, the first audition perhaps, of David Unsworth for the job of permanent Everton manager. Shoots of recovery or more of the same? Well, it was definitely shoots of recovery. It was very strange in a way, because at the end of it, basically, Everton had lost a cup game, a route to silverware gone, in a game where, certainly on the strength of the chances that they had, they could easily have taken it to extra time, quite possibly could have won. So from that sense, it was a disappointment, but... When the, the uh, players and David Unsworth went to the away end after the game, they got a tremendous reception. It's completely different to the reception that the, the team got on Sunday when, again, they lost to a London team. I mean, there were, there were positives to take. I mean, it's, it's difficult in some ways to gauge just how positive they are. I mean, I know mm. that I, I wrote, um, I wrote the, the, the verdict from the game. and it, you, know, you could get a sense that the fans were a lot more positive about the way things were going, but well, saying it, it's early days. Well, let me read you a passage from your oh, said, you. said yes. verdict here. For anybody who hasn't read it yet, and you should do, because it's very good. The David, era, uh, David Unsworth era may have started in the same way the Ronald Kuma one ended, with defeat to London opposition. This, though, felt different. It looked different. It, in capital letters, was different. Now, you don't often get capital letters in a report, so, I'll tell you that. I mean, look, making a little joke of the serious point, it was a it was an interesting lineup, perhaps one with an eye on Leicester on Sunday, but we'll come to that. How how different was the feel though about everything, and did it look like an Everton team you would more recognise than the one you saw in the past couple of weeks? Well, it was more like an Everton team that you'd have recognised the last couple of years, mm. and partly because you know it wasn't exactly rocket science. Everybody who was playing was put in their actual positions where they used to play. You know, Wayne Rooney played up front, Morales was out left, Lennon came in, went on the right. Now McCarthy came back in, played played um, centre mid. So all the players were playing in positions where they didn't have to think too much about it because it was second nature to them, and that helped in a way. I mean, there was more energy because they did pick these kind of players who either had a point to prove, mm. or, or certainly in the, the case of McCarthy and Lennon, had been desperate for a chance all season. Okay, now McCarthy's been injured, so he'd been super keen to get on there. And he put everything out there for an hour. David Unsworth mentioned afterwards he was always going to play just for an hour, and it was you know because he knew that, he just went for it first minute to, to the 60th minute there was more energy there was more pressing David Unsworth did mention that afterwards saying he wanted a, a pressing game and he, he, there were certain ways that he wanted it being played he said it wasn't perfect but how could it be he's only you know taken a couple yeah. of training sessions if that but from that point of view it was more a performance that while it was another defeat and we can't overlook that fact it was defeat with honour but still a defeat Chris I know you weren't at the game but I can still ask you this mm-hmm. Everton's history with the League Cup is, as we all know, nobody needs reminded yeah. how how terrible that is. Somebody said to me last night, I had a message off somebody who said, I can't believe the team he's picked. We've never won this competition. If we'd have gone strong as possible, you know, you beat Chelsea, yeah. it's another major player out of the competition. Why has he not gone strong? But you've looked at the 11 or seen some of the players that were involved last mm-hmm. night. Did you th- Were you surprised or are you thinking Unzi's picked the team there? And that is a sign that Sunday at Leicester... Yeah. And three points is actually more important to Everton right now, and probably Unzi's thinking it's probably more important to me getting a chance of the job permanently. Yeah, if we were going to be ultra cynical, perhaps it was almost that was prioritised the the Premier League game. Uh, Chelsea away was. We don't want to be getting into far Mashiri expected defeat territory. Yeah, but 
maybe he was looking at, at the weekend and, and the, the Leicester City trip. So, yeah, I think it was a bit of that and a bit of, like Ian alluded to, players with a, a point to prove, um, bringing in a, a young lad for his debut, bringing in a couple of players who've been not frozen out but have been um, short of opportunities. And it was it was a chance to give um, players who he felt would would make an impact and perhaps on the ones who didn't play, give them something of a, a kick up the backside um, mm. and possibly bring them back at the weekend. Mm. One name, um, Doyley, just very quickly, and you, we could pod all about him, probably uh, nothing else. Um, you were at Unzi's presser for the yes. head of the game. Any mention of David Classen because he wasn't involved at all last night? There was no mention of him. Um, just thought at it was least, interesting. At least, at least it, I can remember. Because he, tra- sure he, he trained with the team, did he not? I just thought his mission was quite interesting. Well, I can see where you're coming from, and there were some people this morning who were saying that what does this mean for his future that he didn't get in that central midfield? But he's an attacking midfielder, mm. so there was only one place going for him there. And I think the way Everton set up, they did have three. Okay, Tom Davis is a more progressive player than yeah. than, than Beningami and, uh, and McCarthy, but he's not quite the attacking force that, that Klassen is normally, certainly has been with Ajax. So in that respect, I'm not surprised he didn't play. Maybe surprised he wasn't on the bench, but maybe he is somebody who's been saved for, for the game at the, at the weekend. I would like to point out that surely if Everton beat Chelsea yeah. last night, that's a bigger deal than playing Leicester and winning because it's a step nearer to Wembley. And it's a, it's a, I think, so I, I don't think that... I think that was, it, was the point that the person who texted me mm, was trying yeah, to make. Yeah. I mean, I, I see where you're coming from with that, I, I, but I don't think he's cut. You know, Unsworth hasn't cut off his nose to, to spite his face. Mm. I don't think he was trying to prove any points with his team selection. I think he genuinely thought this was a team that could do a job. Yeah, and I suppose you know, from all accounts, in the second half, certainly they did, did uh, certainly a type of job. Um, the caretaker manager is due to meet the chairman and Fad Mashiri on Friday, which was always planned. We will see him on Friday as well. But Doyle, if you were in that meeting, if you were with Farhad and the chairman. How would you be? What would you be saying to? Are you imagine it would be a very upbeat meeting? If I was David Unsworth, if you, no, if you if were there if as I well, if, if I was the third man well, behind yeah. that if table, if I was there, yeah, um, yeah, it would be upbeat. I mean, the, the fact is that I can't see Unsworth getting anything less than the next three games. I think they're going to take it through to the the international break. I would be amazed if he didn't. Mm. It gives him a little bit of a chance. It also gives the players a chance to settle down a little bit. He can be a steadying influence. I think we've got to forget, can't forget Everton in the relegation zone at the yeah. moment. They've yeah. only won, I think it's two of the last 14, is yeah. it? So the form is, is, is not good and I think that's something that they need to address probably sooner than they actually get in a new manager because that, that could take a while, and it's a big decision. They've got to get it right. It's always difficult getting a new manager in during the you know midway through a season. But they've got somebody there, David Hunt, with his had experience, you know, being in the dugout, whether it be at under twenty threes or caretaker manager. One game with Everton before now, I think Preston he did it as well yeah. for a, for a while. So he's got that experience. He knows the team. He knows the fans. He knows the players. He knows the younger players as well. So he knows which ones are, are coming through and which ones he can count on. So from that respect, it's a bit of a, a no brainer. I don't see any reason why. Did want to upset that apple cart over the, the next few weeks. So if I was in on the meeting, I'd be saying, you know, Unzi, well done, good start. You know, now you're right. You've, you've got the fans back on side. The yeah. players seem to be enjoying themselves. Now let's get some wins. As you said in, your, in uh, a piece from, from Unzi uh, last night, you know, interesting, he said, and we reconnected with the fans. I felt they were brilliant with the players, which was pretty telling, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he meant it in the way that kind of it's come across, but it's still... The point, mm. if you're reconnecting with something, that means that you weren't connected with it yeah. at some point. Uh, and you'd have to say by the end of the, the Ronald Koeman 
era things had got very fractured between the, the fans and the team and that kind of always happens when a team's struggling and you've there's certain players who for whatever reason whether it's their own form their own confidence or where they're stuck in the team they're just not performing and mm. it's it, you know the fans always take out the frustrations and it was interesting by the way on Sunday that while there were jeers at the end of the game an awful lot of fans just went out beforehand partly because they just didn't want to jeer the team mm. they just wanted to make their own kind of protest that oh, this isn't good enough yeah. we're going yeah. well, I think Hundreds has got has what got going for him um, what you should play up upon is he's um, Everton connections because what often happens with a manager when a managerial reign comes to an end people want something a bit different so the problem with Kuma was this disconnect with the club he was never close to the Evertonians nobody ever thought that he truly knew the club or appreciated what it was all about so as Unsworth is the polar opposite of that you can play up his Everton connections former Everton player long serving Everton player over two spells obviously Everton coach you've been come through the ranks at Everton as yeah. a youngster as well so whereas um, you did that in the past David Moyes when he finished he was accused of being too negative so you bring in Roberto Martinez who's very attack minded Martinez is Mr Nice Guy so when it turns sour for him Cumin is the um, cold, strong business-like. business-like, like you say, yeah. And so whereas Cumin is seen as not understanding Everton, David Unsworth understands Everton. So he's got that in his favour. People always want something different, especially if it ends sour, obviously, with, with Rommel getting the chop there. He, he can be a sort of different kind of personality. Do you sense then, Chris, that that's the way they're going to go? We'll just run you down some very familiar mm. names, I'm sure. You know, Bucky's favourites and people that naturally have been in the frame, although... You know, we suspect Everton are going to use this time, as as, as Doyle mentioned, to really make a, a sort of a really considered decision. Ancelotti, Daesh, Tuchel, Allardyce, Marco Silva, none of those have got Everton connections. So, are we? Are you know? Are those names completely preposterous? Are they completely wide of the mark? Or is it a reality that, unfortunately, is maybe is the romantic choice would be Unsworth because of his Everton connections? The club still have to look beyond. The walls yeah. of Finch Farm, unfortunately. Yeah. It's an interesting one at where the club are at just just now about who they should be going in for in, in that respect because if we're going to be brutally honest, David Unsworth probably wouldn't get a managerial job at any other Premier League club. But that's not to say he couldn't in time become yeah. so a really successful... Think, really think that. So say, like, say the Brighton job came up or Bournemouth, he would, if he went in for it, he wouldn't be considered... I'd, I think he's got. I don't think he would. He would. I think he's got on his, for on a plus point of view, he has won that Premier League too. Yeah. With Everton, with the under twenty three, so he, he's he's been successful at what he's done. But I, I think he would struggle to get, another Premier League job. So you've got that, but I, it doesn't necessarily think, mean he can't in time become a good Absolutely. Premier League manager. Yeah. Zinedine yeah. Zidane, I think, same with Pep Guardiola, was it That's at right, Barcelona yeah. when he started? They were reserve team coaches who stepped up. Okay, with massive resources. Yeah, but yeah, the two best teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, two slightly, biggest clubs. Slightly better players. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everton are the best team. Yeah. yeah, but but it's hard, isn't it? There's so much money, there's so much expectation in the Premier League now to bring somebody in from within house is seen as as a risk, as a significant risk. And I know that Pat Nevin was speaking this week, the former Everton player. He was saying that our Everton should be scarring the world for a big a big name manager, but. Wasn't Ronald that to a, to a certain extent? I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, yeah. because I don't think the big-name manager makes a big deal anymore. I know that's why Everton brought Ron Koeman in, in the first place, but 
There's so much money. It's the money that makes the decision now. Well, it's, it's persuasive to these players. Sorry. And I think if Everton offer, I don't know, whichever player quite a lot, and it's a team that's winning and Dave Dunsworth happens to be the manager, the player's not going to go, oh, I'm not going there because of David Dunsworth. Well, I was, I was, the question I was going to pose, which kind of dovetails, is uh, do Everton have to prioritise at the minute Premier League experience, somebody who knows the league really well and can operate in the league and has proven they can operate in the league, or do they still chase the name? Do they still chase somebody who's got European experience and that star quality? Because when Mashiri came in, Cumin was the one he wanted. It was the star name. It was, you know, the, the Hollywood. You know, the Northwest is the Hollywood of football managers and all that sort of stuff. Do Evan almost have to go back to where they were? You know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, whatever it was, and they're looking at somebody who's done the Premier League before. Is less. High profile? I don't think so because I think if you look at Evans' position, as much as it, people are going to say, oh, well, that's the position they're in, it's a false position. Evans shouldn't be down in 18th. When no. the season finishes, it won't be anywhere near 18th, yeah. let's be honest. That's why. That's probably why Koeman's gone now because they've expected an awful lot more. And it's not because they're worrying about get going down, it's because they thought they'd be way further, yeah. Yeah. further up the league. I think, I'm not sure whether Everton moved because of what happened at Leicester. Leicester got rid of Craig Shakespeare and perhaps they thought, oh, hang on, they might nick nick one of these managers that we might be mm. thinking of. And in the end, they got Club Puel, who mm. I'd imagine... Raised a few eyebrows, Exactly, to be yeah, honest, and but... I'm not sure whether that's going to work out. And certainly, I'm not sure Everton fans would be too happy if, if he was the person who had replaced yeah. Ronald Koeman at any point. That's no slight on Club Puel, but that's just the way it is, unfortunately, after his experience at Southampton. Um, Big-name manager. The thing is, is that if you're not going to get a big-name manager... You may as well stick with David Unsworth. So that is the choice. So it's black and white. That's what I think. I think so. You look at Sean Dyche, and he's done a very good job at Burnley. And we're not just talking this season. He, you know, he got them up, went down, and they came back up again. They've stayed up, and now they're getting better this season. And he'll probably do a good job somewhere. And he may end up being the Everton manager in the future. But I don't think this is the right time for him. But Chris Sean Dyche, yeah, he's he's done it at the Premier League level. You keep a team up on limited resources, give him load more money and a better yeah. team of players. He can do better, can't he? Yeah, he certainly got a lot out of Michael Keane as well, didn't he? He's a, um, he, he developed him and, and he, he's probably the most attractive of the candidates after the... Of the unattractive uh, candidates. Yeah, <laughs> after, the, after the glamour choices. I know I was speaking to um, Elton Wellsby a couple of weeks ago when Ronald was still in the job and uh, he, as he predicted, he, he didn't think Ronald would last and he, and he called him out and said, yeah, I'd like, I'd like Dyke. Um, he said he claimed he's a man with no ego. I'm not too sure about that one. <laughs> he's, he's never spoken to him, clearly. He's done great at Burnley, like we said, keeping them up on, on a shoestring and they've never really looked in any sort of danger at all about relegation despite their, their limited resources. Um, I, I like Dyche. Um, a lot. I'm. I'm not sure. Ultimately, whether this is the time. I suppose it's up to David Unsworth to to make the 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 board make the decision that they, they've got to go with him. He will get a few games now. I, I, I suspect. And you know, if, if he do, if he does well, he kind of makes the decision for them. Certainly, possibly to the end of the season, and maybe see how it goes. So people have said. With regards to something like Daesh, and I know Big Sam's name's been mentioned, obviously, as somebody who's close to Steve Walsh, so naturally he would get linked. People said about Daesh, he'll only take us so far. But again, playing devil's advocate, are Everton now in a situation, and in modern football generally, that managers, the shelf life of a Premier League manager is so short mm. that, as Ronald Koeman's found out, that actually you bring something like Daesh in, 
and he gets you back up to where you should have been and, and organised. He gets you he gets the team in shape again. And they've got so much money generally in football and the club have got obviously the ability to, you know, sack managers and, and pay them off and, and hire somebody else. They could just then go for somebody in a, in a more high profile who then takes them on again. I mean, can you do that? I don't know. Well, Sean Dyche, if he took the job, wouldn't be thinking. No, I'm not saying they'd pitch that to him. But you know, from a from well, if, if they're from looking the... at the bigger picture, then why not get the man in now that they want, rather than have somebody who'd be what you what you're suggesting there is that in their minds that it's a holding manager, as yeah. it were. That's what I'm saying. People are saying, end. where does he take us after we finish seventh well, again? This, this is that's what the board have to decide, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Everton for the most part over the past ten. 11, 12 years, they've been top seven, top eight. Quite under Moyes for a certain yep. they were always mm. top six. And Martinez, they finished, what was it, fifth the first season? Did. Bit of a fall off in the last two seasons. Again, Kuma comes in, there's that jump. And to be as close as they were to the top six, who are, you know, whether we like it or not, they are the top six for a reason. They've got the most money and they've got the better players. This, that, you know, being best, the rest isn't that, isn't that bad. And we're expecting, obviously, to, to start competing a bit with that. In terms of getting them back up, I don't think it would. T- I actually genuinely don't think it would take that much for them to get back up to that no. position seventh. It's getting from seventh into the sixth that's the mm. issue. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think getting in a holding manager, someone like Sean Dyche, I don't. If that's all they wanted to do, again, I should just keep David Unsworth in yeah. charge. Obviously, we don't we don't know Ancelotti, but what would your hunch say? Would he take it? No, would be my hunch. I because think of the lack of what would I ultimately be more, the lack of Europe it, or lack of Champions League. Anyway. I think you look at the teams that he's already managed: PSG. Uh, AC Milan, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich, Chelsea, more massive Champions League teams. And Everton, not at the moment, maybe not for a few years. They're not going to be a big Champions League team. And also, I think Ancelotti might be thinking Everton don't want a manager like Ancelotti, somebody who is coming towards the end of his managerial career than the beginning of it, and he'd be taking a job that's a lesser one than one he's had before. You suggested it would lack, it'd be a lack of motivation. Well, it. That's the big risk. That's the big risk. That's the big risk. I'm sure you go to, you know, people will go to the likes of Brentford, PSG, and not demand a huge wage. But if he went to Everton, he'd probably think, oh, I would like a. I mean, I'm, I'm second guessing what, yeah, he's, of course, I'm second yeah, guessing yeah. what he's thinking here, and I'm not picking on just him, mm. but it's all that kind of manager that ilk, which is where Thomas Tuchel or Tuchel or however you pronounce it, he's different because he's still young. Yeah. He's never managed in England. Again, Ancelotti has managed in England already, so he probably yeah, doesn't yeah. need to tick that one off. Got sacked at Goodison, of course, didn't he? He did, yes. So he probably wouldn't want to come back. No. To <laughs> <laughs> the corridor, wasn't back it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but he'd be different. I mean, Ancelotti, I can't see why he would want to come. Mm. He doesn't, he'd, he'd become, if he did come and it wasn't for the money, that would be, he'd be doing it for himself to prove a point to whoever, maybe just to himself, yeah. which in that case would be good for Everton. Mm, of course. He'd need a manager coming in who wants to prove something. Mm. We're obviously trying to look forward and look to who will be the new permanent manager of Everton Football Club, but Ronald Koeman, uh, last night, I think it came out, uh, giving an interview in Holland to Football International. Um, well, and, well pronounced. Thank you. Uh, and amongst, you know, quite a lengthy interview, uh, one quote, Chris, was, I had Olivier Giroud in the building, but that was hard to swallow when he obviously yeah. turned around and changed his mind. He also points in this interview to the fixture list, um, are these reasonable, you know, is it reasonable mitigation, reasonable reasons, excuses if you want to be harsh for the way it's gone? You know, is Ronald right to, to highlight these things? I think so. It's absolutely massive. Uh, if you look at Everton's recruiting over the summer, 
it was really exciting while it was happening. Um, players coming in all the time, but it's almost, I've used this analogy before, like they built a beautiful new house and then left the roof off. Um, <laughs> that replaced Romelu Lukaku. Um, the way Sigurdsson dragged on as well. I mean, that, that, that could have just brought everything together if that had happened. Ronald would probably still be in a job, Everton would probably be much higher up the table. In, in many ways, I think Giroud would actually be more suited to playing in that Everton team than yeah. he is in the Arsenal team. He still does a sterling job for them. I think that they could have played to his strengths. Ronald will want to protect his reputation and probably fair enough, you know, if he, like you said, if he had, how galling it must have been if he had Olivier Giroud in the building, whether it, I presume he means Finch Farm yeah, or yeah. whatever, um, not getting that deal over the line and he would... The way Okuman operated more as like a continental first-team coach, maybe we've also got to point fingers and have question marks at other people within the club um, of not getting that deal over the line. It must have been absolutely massive. How did you, just quickly, emotionally, how did you feel about the news on Monday when were you relieved, sad? I found the whole the whole thing from where we were, even at the start of the summer, surreal. I thought that, it, well, I suppose in many ways it did escalate quickly, because of um, the the increased expectations of all that spending, oh, it was Everton's biggest summer of spending. Of course, Ronald mitigates that with the the net spend and the fact they lost Lukaku. But all these new players coming in, he was used to it at Southampton. To be fair, he'd done a good job there, having to mould a lot of new players into an effective team. I actually thought there was an, an air of inevitability after the last few games. Uh, me and myself were down at Brighton, and then we had. Um, Leon, I, I didn't see Arsenal. I was I was away, but it it was becoming almost unwatchable at the end. Um, there, there was just no so, no sort of pattern of play. What were they? They weren't a pressing team. They weren't um, a, a quick team. They, they they didn't seem to have any sort of identity, and I think that that was the problem. Nobody seemed to know what they were doing, and it and it was really awful to watch. Doyle, then, just on what Chris has said, which. Which three, four, five players have to start at Leicester on Sunday to ensure that, as Chris says, Everton Press, they're watchable, they've got an identity? Oh, that's a good question, actually. Did you become a journalist? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, Give me three then. If, okay, uh, yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. Three, the first three hour. names are outfield players on the team sheet. Well, the ones that I'd pick, I'd put James McCarthy in there again. Right, interesting. He's one. I'd definitely have him in there, uh, which then leaves you with the decision of whether to play Gay or Schneiderlin alongside him. Definitely have, I definitely have. Um, oh, it's a tough one, you see. You've, you've thrown this one on me. And I'll definitely have McCarthy in. I'd have Tom Davis in. Yeah. And one of the wingers. And judging by how they played in the second half, I'd probably keep Morales in. And I know he was he was just non existent in the first half at Chelsea. He literally. <laughs> you were terrible was, on Wednesday, what, but you're playing the, again. No, there was one point where I, I just Wait, don't well. think he touched the ball for about 15 minutes. Yeah. But the second half, no matter, I don't know what happened. Second half, he was an awful lot better. But right. I suppose in some ways, that's just Kevin Morales' entire goodness and career yeah. in, in one game. Yeah. You know, goes, disappears. Then just the time you think, oh, that's it, makes a comeback and does quite well. Chris, if you, you know, three players, your first three outfield players on the team sheet. Wow. Um. <laughs> He's got a bit more time to start. Yeah, <laughs> I did um, see the game, but uh, I, I think that Phil Phil Jagielka has um, they they've missed they've missed his his influence at the times he mm. he hasn't been playing. I know it's been it's been up and down for, for all of them. Um, interesting what um, Ian says about uh, um, James McCarthy. Like I said, I didn't see the Chelsea game, but if he, if he was as good as, as, as Ian says, it, it's, a, it's a real interesting one because that dynamic with Idrissa Gay and 
Schneidling just hasn't been working the way it was mm. working second half of last season. So something needs to change. So maybe um, go along with him on on that one. Um, like I mean, it's, it's not it's not rocket science, but Leighton Baines has got has got to be yeah. And there's just there's just no alternatives. It's so. a bit of a struggle actually on yeah. last night right. because the. Zappa Costa, I think. Was yeah, 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 yeah. Zappa Costa, he did really well for Chelsea. Certainly, first half. He's got, I'm surprised he doesn't play more often, to be mm. honest with them. But it was proper overworked. And I think it was when Morales came more into the game, then Baines was aided a bit because he was getting a little bit overrun. Because John Joe Kenny played last night. Yeah. He played against Arsenal at the, the weekend. And I, fe- I felt a bit sorry for him, to be honest, because he was playing right wing back. Yeah. He'd just come back from an injury, which he'd, he'd suffered on international duty. I think he had his knee drained or something, something yeah. like that. And he had no protection because he is the wing back. Rooney was the meant to be right side, yeah, meant to, but obviously he's playing more, more yeah, up front. Course, yeah. And uh, Arsenal quickly doubled up on him with uh, with what's his name? Im. Oh, the, the, Serb, the big Serb, left the back, big yeah, Serb yeah. lad. And Sanchez. It's like that's <laughs> tough for any job. defender, let alone someone who's making yeah, his first ever Premier League. Yeah. 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 But he was back. He so he's in right back. Uh, right back. Sorry, uh, Chelsea. Aaron Lennon came in, and certainly in the first half, his main job was to protect mm. John Joe and, and the pair of them between them did a very good job and uh, Aaron Lennon's second half managed to get a bit more further upfield you know John Joe put in a good cross I think it, I think it was for the uh, Morales knockdown and uh, Rooney shot saved by Cavaliero uh, I think the pair of them did okay Neither of you mentioned the man who got the highest rating hmm. uh, That's because none of us want to pronounce his name <laughs> Benny Beningamy yeah. <laughs> Benny Benny we'll call Benny him Benny. We'll call him Benny Played well by all accounts very well by all accounts Played well I mean he was the name that none of us expected uh, obviously Schneidlin was unwell I think yeah. it was on the day of the game because he was, certainly wasn't in the team the, the night before but you know Unzi knows him had no problems throwing him in it was interesting that there was a, a couple of other players who could have been thrown in that weren't um, but maybe that is perhaps an example of looking ahead to the yeah. rest again Yeah yeah but yeah, yeah. He's, from the first first whistle, he was, you know, he wasn't the best bit about it. He wasn't running around like a headless chicken. Mm. That was what was the most impressive thing. Was you see all the, these youngsters coming and he's got. I need to make an impression, and they're just like racing around, yeah, everywhere, yeah. flying in with tackles. He didn't do that. Just got the ball, made some interceptions, made an impact really early on, settled into the game. First half, he just did what he what he had to do. Yeah. Then the start of the second half, it was his tackle on. Uh, Chelsea youngster, another name who I'm not going to pronounce, <laughs> um, that he, who I thought was David Luiz at one point. Um, <laughs> he, uh, details, I can yes. tell, you know, de- devil in the detail. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Um, I can tell you he was Welsh on 17, I can tell oh. you that, yeah. Um, he put this really strong tackle. You know one of those tackles where it's, you can hear it? You can hear it around the ground, everyone like, ooh. And everyone, it's funny now, because football fans now, you hear that sound and you go, that's a foul. Right. You go, that's a foul. And... Then you saw the replay and you went, he's got the ball first. Okay, yeah. maybe studs were showing a little bit. And perhaps he caught the player possibly with the ball rather than his foot. Because mm. it was such a strong challenge. He was down, you know, play got up in the end. It's the kind of tackle you don't see too often. But David Unsworth esque. Well, David Unsworth esque. <laughs> and uh, yeah, after the game, uh, after the game, and you'd know a bit more. Mini about Rhino. Him. Yeah. <laughs> what would you call a Mini Rhino? A hippo? No. No, it's a different animal. That's a different animal. <laughs> <laughs> move on. Right, anyway, um, you'd know a bit more about this. Because you see a lot of the uh, lot more of the under twenty threes than we do, but Unzi said afterwards that he was asked the question about that tackle. And he says, "Oh, you know, it, it, that's mm. what he does. You know, and if he plays more often, yeah. Evertonians have to get used to seeing that." But that tackle, kind of, you know, you know what it's like with with Everton fans. They do like stuff like that. Got them going. Got yeah. the team going. It yeah. was from that point on. Did that kind it, of slice yeah. through the comfort? Yeah. You know, the tension a little bit, maybe. Yeah, and... I mean, they, they'd already started to 
do a little bit better in the second half. But once that tackle went in, everybody was proper up for it after that. Mm. And, yeah, and that's where they could have easily got the equaliser. It could have easily won the game, to be honest, with the chances they had. And just finally, before we wrap up uh, for this week's uh, Royal Blue podcast, Doyle, just just a quick word, because obviously the, the man we're all talking about at the moment is Unzi. What was he like on the touchline? I see him for the under-23s a lot. He's... He off. did not sit down. Yes, he was he stood up the entire time. He didn't do a lot of shouting. Right, a lot of lot of like screaming, shouting, but he did a lot of, you know, motioning and you know, pointing out individual players. He did a lot of. Uh, did he did a lot of that that crouch where he's really like encouraging to me yeah, to yeah, press. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. Um, he did. He, he was cajoling um, certainly Tom Davis at one point and John Joe Kenny. Yeah, but then that's to to be. That's to be understood. Because for, for anybody listening who, who would not know the, the vantage point we have at Stamford Bridge, it's right behind it is, the yeah. dugout, it's, yeah. and it's fascinating. So you get a great view of, of what's going on. But he literally did not sit down at any point. Yeah, no points whatsoever. He stood up the entire time. To be fair, you know, Antonio Conte did as well. It's quite interesting before the game actually. Conte gave him this massive hug, like one where it's you thought mm, that's gone a bit too long. <laughs> it's like, it was like awkward. <laughs> it was a proper big, proper big bear hug. Um, before we go any further though, Philip Kirkbride. Mm. Um, What's been your take then? Because obviously you've been away, being busy, some some wedding or something. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> anyway, you Cooman um, went. Mm. What was your take on it then? Uh, after seeing the results uh, against Arsenal and reading all the stuff and and getting a sense of 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 sort of how sluggish and lifeless it had all been, and I think you may have you know your piece from the press conference where you said write what you want and. I remember I, I sent a message to somebody back home and I said, sounds like the final nail in the coffin, that to me. Um, I was disappointed. Um, I guess, as, as I said before, I found this past three and a half months, four months, surreal. In what sense? Then? In the sense that he came in, he whipped the team into shape. I thought he was doing a really good job. The summer started off really promising and encouraging with the, with the players they were signing, the money they were spending, the speed at which they were doing their work. And then... You know, early start to season with Rizombarok, etc. And they were kind of getting through it. And, you know, when it, when against Stoke, good performance at City. Things slowed. And, I, you know, ups and downs, difficult start and all of that. But then it unravelled, didn't it? And, it? and I thought, I believed that there was, that Ronald was still going to be able to get them out of it until, you know, again, I wasn't at Leon because I wasn't around, but. That didn't sound great because of the fact that Leon came back and scored late on, and then they showed a bit more fight in that game. To be fair, well, to quite them. literally. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I was disappointed. Um, I was, I totally understand now, given the way things were going, why the club have acted. I'm never comfortable with managers losing the job after such a, such a short, short space of time. Given as well the relative success of the season before, but. There was obviously, you know, even from thousands of miles away, I could I could sense from what I was reading and 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 sense that there was people who'd given up on on this era. Um, so, do you think it's fair that Cooman is carrying the can for the recruitment when it's not just him? Well, I don't think it? he is. Fully. You don't think it's no? I I, th- I think most Evertonians would appreciate that it's not just him. The structure of the football club has changed, mm. and Ronald was. Yeah, of course he's not without blame because he's involved as well. But I think the fact that he was publicly and honestly from very early in the summer talking about striker, left-sided defender, striker, left-sided defender, it's not it's not just on him, is it? Um, but you know, 
the club aren't going to sack themselves, so to speak. You aren't going to get Steve Walsh, the chairman, Farhad and Ronald going, right, we're all off. <laughs> we haven't got a strike. It's, unfortunately, Ronald carries the can in that respect because he's the first one to go, isn't he? He's, it's his head that rolls. Um, he probably earns the most money as well. Well, indeed. I still think he's a, he's a very good manager. I think he did. He was whatever needed, exactly what they needed last season. I still believed up until a point he was what they needed. I still think, as I say, I still think he's... He's got. A, he has a lot to offer wherever he goes and wherever he finds himself. But he just couldn't find a way, and unfortunately, modern football dictates, rightly or wrongly, that you can't wait around. Um, as I, say, I was disappointed, but I appreciate that the club had to uh, had to act. I'm not going to take over your podcast, by the way. I just got one more question yeah. to do with to do with Unzi. Mm. I mean, you obviously have had a lot of dealings with him. Yeah. The, the last eighteen months. How do you see him going as caretaker manager and? Do you think he's got what it takes to become the full-time manager? Not whether ever to will appoint. Not whether ever. Yeah, appoint I've, I've never whether... seen anything other than nothing. None of the evidence that he's presented me with in terms of the way his teams play, the fact that he's had success under twenty-three slash under twenty-one level. Nothing suggests that he couldn't and won't become an excellent manager. Um, you know what you're going to get from his teams, which which will go down well. And we'll see, hopefully, in the next few games continue to go down well with the good and faithful. I like him. I think he's great to deal with. He's a top fella. Um, so, you know, all of that, there's nothing to doubt. But again, he he will not be naive enough or he will never turn around and go, I can't believe you said that. But it's the lack of what would be unnerving, if you like, or slightly concerning for anybody is he's never done it. at the He's never been a Premier League manager. Has he had that, you know, is being coach of the under 23s enough of a grounding to then go and get one of the top jobs in English football because it is it's, you know it is one of the top jobs isn't it but I don't know as I said I think his, his appointment would be the romantic one whether the club end up going for a romantic choice only time will tell it, look he would admit himself you could have said, you'd appreciate it. people would say well it's a gamble which it would be but you never know do you I'll stop asking you questions okay. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Myself, Phil Kirkbride, Ian Doyle and Chris Beasley. So until the next podcast next week when we'll dissect Leicester and preview Leon, thank you very much for listening. Mm-hmm.